Hello everyone, welcome to Beyond the Adventure, a podcast exploring why people took on their own unique journeys and what they learned from their experiences. My name is Gareth Brown and thanks for listening. Today I have Bex Wardell on the podcast. Bex is a colleague of mine, but it's the first time we have talked about her incredible adventure where she cycled the long way home from Switzerland to New Zealand, during which she was joined across different sections by close friends and family. In our chat, we briefly discussed her upbringing in a sheep farm, her transition into Olympic athlete, and then dive into a variety of topics around her incredible 20 plus thousand kilometre bike ride. Bex, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. Absolute um, pleasure. I know you're busy, yeah. and uh, <laughs> having heard the last few days, I really appreciate you taking the time to, um, to yeah, come and come and chat. How are good. you? Good, good. Yeah, as, as I said before, it's been it's been busy, um, but no, it's it's good and yeah, happy to be working away on the on the upcoming games. Yeah, exciting, yeah. exciting. Yeah. So I think that like um, for the purpose of this podcast we'll probably end up talking a bit more about your wonderful bike ride that you uh, started on I guess around four and a half years yeah maybe now yeah. Uh, which is a good chunk of time but also I think that would be a really nice uh, be a great point of reflection it'll be interesting to see how your perspectives totally. have changed uh, in the past few years yeah uh, but perhaps before we do that it'd almost be great to get like a bit more background mm-hmm. into um, where your kind of passion came from for sport the outdoors yeah. My understanding is I think you grew up in a sheep farm. Exactly, yep. <laughs> so, like, is it the, the variety of being in the outdoors, the, the family life? Like, how is it that um, you became first a sport enthusiast, then yeah. an Olympic heptathlete, yeah. and then now more recently, I mean, essentially as an endurance athlete to go yeah, as far yeah. as you did on your bike ride. <laughs> but yeah, can you almost like, talk me through kind of some of that background and uh, how you develop these passions? Sure, absolutely. Well, as you said, I uh, yeah, grew up on a, on a farm in, in New Zealand, which it's a little bit of a cliche, but as a, as a Kiwi kid, you, you spend time a lot of time outside mucking around, getting dirty, breaking legs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I grew up in an environment where exploration and, and being in the outdoors was just part of the fabric of my family and, and I guess the, the community around me. Um, uh, my, my family was also right into, you know, going on ski holidays, going hiking, um, you know, exploring the, the outdoors and especially living in the South Island of New Zealand that's literally on your on your back doorstep and is very much part of the, the culture of of what people do. Um, so I guess that's yeah, been ingrained in me from a from a young age. Um, in terms of sports specifically, um, I was captivated by the Olympic Games from a, from a very young age. Um, I remember vividly uh, the Los Angeles 1984 Games was probably the ones I first mm. have a memory of when I was like six or seven years old. Wow. Kind of watching on the, on the TV and then going outside and like practicing some sprints on the lawn and um, yeah, I just, I thought it was awesome and I guess then every summer games wave and winter I guess from from then on it was always time to turn on the TV and and really enjoy the spectacle um, but it wasn't probably until I in my latter years at high school and then um, first couple of years of university that I really sort of set my sights on that as a goal in terms of participation yeah um, I was always very active at school in terms of trying lots of different sports basketball volleyball swimming softball I did athletics because at school most kids do athletics yeah. anyway um, 
but yeah, the, the, the year I left school, or, or the year after, sorry, 1996, was the Atlanta Summer Games. Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, well, if I want to be competing at, at something like that, I need to, to choose a sport, knuckle down and, and, and have a crack. So I was 18, wow. first year university, and chose, chose athletics, I think, because I had a natural ability that I'd, I'd demonstrated through my high school, but also because I could kind of be in control of my own destiny as opposed to playing basketball, volleyball, that's really interesting. Uh, team sport, yeah. yeah. Um, also because in New Zealand, those team sports for women are not strong. Um, so to make an Olympic basketball, you know, to, to be part of the New Zealand basketball team and then to go on to qualify for the Olympics was yeah. probably a little m bit more tricky in terms of, of the actual process. So, yeah, so chose athletics in, in 1996. Um, and then it was basically didn't qualify for Sydney 2000, didn't qualify for Athens 2004, um, but was fortunate enough to to realise the dream in, in 2008 in Beijing and, and compete for New Zealand. So, yeah, that's, it was a, it was a long journey, but it was something that I'm pretty proud of that I stuck at it and, and that's amazing. Achieved my dream. I, there's a couple of like traits that come through, I guess. One is um, that independence of choosing athletics. Mm -hmm. And even in your most recent bike trip, I noticed that you uh, kind of took on the role of chief navigator, yeah. which is like an interesting <laughs> uh, carry through um, from your younger days. And I guess also this like aspect of resilience. Mm -hmm. I know that even uh, like after Beijing, even you also had some bad injuries. I think you were out yep. for like a year. And then obviously you just need an <laughs> resilience in, in abundance for doing the bike ride that you did. Yeah. Is there any other traits that kind of have stuck with you almost from your younger days as an athlete through to the bike rides and almost just through to your day-to-day -day now? Um, I guess, yeah, resilience, but also understanding that things get pretty hard sometimes um, and eventually that ends, right? Like yeah. Throughout my athletic career, I overcame injuries, got better, went on to, to perform. Like I had, I had, had hip surgery in 2007 before qualifying for the Games in 2008. So... You know, that's a pretty wow. brutal thing to go through. But I, I guess I always knew that if you just keep going, eventually things get better and things improve rather than rather than giving up. Um, and I think that's probably something that stood me in good stead and on the bike trip. You know, was there were some pretty rough, yeah. crappy days, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I knew that if you just keep pedaling, which sounds silly, but literally things would, would eventually improve the weather would get better you'd find a nice place to stay you'd find a, somewhere to have a shower um, and I guess it's just that mindset that yeah it's pretty tough right now but things yeah. will get better and we had a saying on the bike trip um, that it could be worse right we always yeah, try to look at how much nice. how much worse it could be so yeah yeah it's just a it's just a way a perspective a way of looking at things I think that I I learned Absolutely. Or have learned. My, uh, I did my first ever bike tour about three or four years ago. Um, just from, I went from Poland to Croatia, mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I did snap, I put together a little video at the end, and I literally called it that. Just keep pedaling. Totally. Because that really is it. You just Absolutely. kind of every day, you especially after you've had like a a tough night where it's rained and like everything's wet, and mm -hmm. you're just like, Phew. but then actually when you just get going again, yep. and you just say, come on, let's just keep pedaling. Totally. It's just always a, a different perspective from yeah. mine shift there. Yeah. And the hardest thing often is just getting back on the bike. Yeah. Or getting back into whatever you're doing in life. Um, if you can just get back up and keep moving, I think things start to seem better just from the act of doing. Yeah. Um, whereas if you lie in bed or sit on the sofa and kind of 
mope <laughs> it, it feels worse yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. i can imagine you being quite an active person anyway but after the kind of massive highs of like an olympics mm -hmm. and then you're transitioning into work life i think even at one point you did a master's in like transport engineering yeah think, yeah you were kind of yeah looking at different areas i guess were you just was it one of the motivating factors for doing like such a long bike ride of like up to a year like you just needed that kind of extra test on <laughs> you and your body and like um, where you're at and yeah like do you do that fairly frequently like kind of find these next sporting challenges to kind of keep yourself in in check if that makes sense like what's your yeah I, dynamic I, there? I think so I mean I think like every athlete who competed and 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 trained at that level for so long it's a real adjustment to suddenly not yeah. be that person anymore not have you know your athletic performance be the number one focus of everyone's of, of my day but also the team around me um so I guess to kind of move away from that for the f for the first few years I yeah I struggled and I was sort of looking for other yeah. things to to do you know I did a half Ironman um entered some mountain bike races uh, you know just doing yeah. things like that um and I don't think I consciously chose to do the bike trip because of that I think for me it was more it wasn't wasn't so much the physical yeah. component it was the adventure the spirit the the kind of culture along the way all of that kind of stuff um yeah. obviously the physical component was was pretty extreme and I think the three of us who set out originally myself Emma and Sarah Emma obviously being a, a gold medalist in, in rowing at the Olympic Games Sarah a very high performing athlete in her own right we were confident in our physical ability which I think yeah. helps you to start off on, on thinking even thinking about a trip like that absolutely um but yeah i don't i don't think i consciously chose it as a physical challenge it was much more about the the, the broader adventure yeah. and, and visiting different countries and yeah yeah i think that's what came through as well like in the video that um you could tell that you were ready and equipped i think that you talked about your the it'd be good to know actually almost the origin story of how it came together but mm -hmm. it sounds like you were kind of talking about it briefly on bike rides at the weekends and yeah. things but even without um meaning to you in some ways almost uh you set like three goals yeah so that's such, such like a, an athlete mindset but in such <laughs> right. a fun way yeah it, like with most people i think don't think okay guys we're gonna do this bike ride but what about our goals yeah, like, it's, yeah. i think most people are just like i'm just gonna get to the end so even in the adventurous fun sense yeah. it's awesome that you yeah, still had that structured. like structured approach yeah. to uh, we're going to put three goals around this, yeah. which were wonderful goals, by the way. And maybe you Thanks. can share what yeah. they what they are. Yeah. yeah so maybe if you can share a little bit around how the origin came around, who was the instigator, yeah. um, how you came to those three goals. Yeah. Because uh, I think they're really, really terrific. Um, the way that they carry through. Sure. Uh, which was really nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Emma, Sarah, and I all worked together at the IOC. Yeah. Um, Emma was on a break from rowing. She'd just finished competing at Rio 2016 and was considering, well, had retired, um, having got fourth for the second time at an oh, Olympic Games. She yeah. was, it was pretty brutal. So she'd retired and had joined the IOC. Sarah and I had been at the IOC for a few years. And obviously, as three Kiwis, you kind of naturally gravitate towards, towards each other. and. Um, all had a, a love of, of cycling. Obviously, Switzerland's an amazing place to, yeah. to base if you're into, into cycling. So we used to spend a lot of time cycling together. Um, I mean, I can't concretely remember the day or the ride yeah. we were on, but it, it, it kind of came up in conversation that, oh, you know, 
how cool it'd be to, to ride back to New Zealand. I, we, maybe we'd seen a cycle tourist or, or something like that. And you know, it was kind of jokey, haha, funny, whatever. But then it kind of came up in conversation again a few yeah, few yeah. days, few weeks later. Um, next thing you're having a couple of wines and discussing it again. <laughs> and I mean, to be very honest, um, it, it just sort of morphed into this thing that the more we thought about it and talked about it, I think because we were kind of egging each other on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think if one of us had been like, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. You could have just quashed it there. It would have been, yeah. you know, and I, I absolutely would never have started on my own. Like maybe two of us would have done it, I think, but, but to have two people who are willing to do something like that, I mean, it's a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity because, oh, I mean, we all had to quit our jobs yeah. to, to be able to do it, um, which is a big gamble in, 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 its, in, in and of itself. Um, but yeah, when you have when you, when you have a couple of people who you trust to to start off on a journey like that, I think it's something you that you can't really really say no to. So yeah, we I'll never forget. I was in in Pyeongchang um, in South Korea preparing for the 2018 games. Um, it was just towards the end of 2017, and I had Sarah and Emma both on the phone, and we were like, right, are we doing this? What oh are we, you know, are we, are we, are we wow. really going to do it? And we were just like, yeah, let's do it. So made the decision we kind of gave ourselves a cut-off date of, of I think making a decision by the end of uh, end of December 2017 and yeah we were writing resignation letters and googling oh gosh <laughs> googling <laughs> how what, to bike tour. Get there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do bike touring because none of us had done anything like it before so um yeah we we set off in in uh end of April 2018 yeah and as you said before yeah we set three goals I mean I don't know if we we're consciously like right we need goals, no, no, but no. it was kind of like, okay, what are we going to do with our day? And it's like, okay, let's not get lost to yeah. start with. Um, find somewhere to sleep and find something to eat to basically fuel ourselves. And I mean, those are three things that you don't, in your day-to-day -day life, ever think about, right? Yeah, you know how true. to get to and from work. You got your bed at home, cafeteria at the at the IOC here to work in <laughs> yeah. and uh, to eat at, and it's just it's funny how. Those three simple things really just defined our defined our day. Was was yeah. making sure that we had those three things covered and we were we were good to go. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. And yeah. uh, I mean, your first day seemed like so insane. It looked like you did like 170 kilometers like yeah. day one. Was the yeah. idea that you thought that you could just yeah? Or were you just so excited well, and like the yeah. adrenaline's going? You're like, oh, we're, we're just a bit yeah. further. Um, but we were big excited, first but, day. It's, but it's interesting just. <laughs> When going back to your point before about the kind of physical challenge and as you know as athletes mentality that yeah. kind of thing, I think we all the three of us still thought that we were on a bike ride, you know, just a, a casual yeah, day out. It's very different where you though. would maybe do a hundred and a hundred plus k, but all of a sudden we were carrying you know thirty forty kilos of yeah. of gear, um, and the next day had to ride up the Simplon Pass and then obviously keep keep riding. So to ride back to back is tough but then yeah. to keep riding for days on end after that and I learned a, a pretty hard lesson pretty early on was that I couldn't ride like I normally had been riding on the weekends here like I had to slow down take my time yeah. rest a lot um, and that was hard because I'd been used to kind of going for it looking yeah. at the clock oh my speed Kate yeah you know you kind of I had to put away that kind put of that aside for sure. athlete mindset yeah. and become a, a 
bike tourist. <laughs> yeah. Which was hard, and especially because Emma, who was with us, was um, she at that stage decided to to go back to New Zealand to train for the Tokyo Games. Yeah. So she was using the first six weeks of the bike trip through Istanbul as kind of pre-training. Oh wow, like a really good level of base training. Yeah. yeah. So she was kind of you know riding pretty hard. That's and pretty tough. you kind of want to keep up because that's yeah. your competitive spirit. I mean, to try and keep up with Emma Twig on a bike is madness. But <laughs> so, yeah, very quickly in those first days. And, and Sarah, who's 10 years younger than me, obviously quite a bit fitter as well. So it, it I got sore in the first couple of weeks, sore, sore knees. Yeah. And I was like, I, if I don't take it easy, properly, yeah. I'm going to end up, you know, having some injury issue. So yeah, the first three, four weeks were probably pretty tough in that respect, just trying to really ch change the mindset of how, how I rode basically, yeah. um, which was interesting in, in, a, in and of itself, having to really switch off that, that athlete competitive kind of thing yeah, and, and sure. enjoy the ride. At the end of the day, I was like, if you're head down, kind of not looking, what's the point right it's not a race to the next town so exactly yeah how did you kind of split up the days and when it was going through those tough parts did you try and split up sometimes not to try and feel like or did you actually really try and stick together as a three like through the days yeah no we would emma would often ride out in front yeah. um just because she was much faster and, and yeah. i didn't want to try a better and... approach though yeah exactly just trying to yeah hang on and Totally. Nobody becomes a kind of yep. winner per se of the day, like if that makes sense. Yeah, but, so yeah. she was often in charge of like finding us a little coffee stop, or, she, or not in charge, I'd say she, naturally yeah, she yeah. would stop somewhere for coffee and wait for us. We'd have a meal and then we'd do the do the same thing again. Yeah. Um, obviously towards the end of the day, we had, we'd always set a, a finish point, like a town, certain yeah. place on the map. So before we reached the town, we'd all kind of regroup so that we knew where we were, where we were going. Um, yeah, if it was super windy, we'd try to stick together with Emma out the front, basically just blocking the wind. I saw that on the video. It was like, <laughs> oh, it was so sad. We lost Emma, our wind blocker. And Literally, was like, oh. it was awesome. Like she got a good workout sitting out the front, and yeah, SUV and I really could tough, kind yeah. of cruise at the back a little bit. And in those in those kind of conditions, we stuck together. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the most challenging parts? Like aside from the 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 kind of dynamic and making sure that you're not pushing yourself too too hard because you know that you're going to be going for. 20,000 kilometers yeah what were some of those like um moments that you perhaps underestimated a little bit I guess in those first few months was it the because there's a few different things I guess one is it's actually fairly difficult to fuel yourself mm -hmm. like finding actual good food in reality you end up just eating Snickers and <laughs> uh pizzas or whatever yeah. just usually calories yeah but I've never done it for like a period of time like you, like as long as I've ever gone is like five or six weeks. Yeah. And I know that after that, like I couldn't keep that diet up because I just felt. Yeah. <laughs> but with like, so there's kind of a diet, accommodation can be tough yeah. sometimes, especially, yeah. I mean, I guess for you is after you've kind of already left Europe, it would have already started to get really difficult. Yeah. Um, and then weather, I mean, or, or what else was there that was going through your head, which was like, wow, this is, I, I underestimated this particular aspect maybe. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of hard to say because in, in different places it was different things were tough yeah. like in in Europe it was getting used to the journey itself so it was yeah. probably mentally more tough than anything else because food accommodation was actually quite easy and yeah. relative to the rest of the trip which was lucky it was a nice place to kind of kick off your yeah, exactly. first introduction to bike touring is you know cruising through Italy where there's a pizzeria and yeah. you can there's a little guest house or or somewhere to stay. Um, so that by the time we got to Turkey, where Emma left and it was just SUV and I on our own, we were kind of 
well ingrained in our routines yeah you know the bike was very familiar we weren't sore we kind of mentally were prepared for what was to come as we kind of got into into Asia I get well literally into into Asia where things did start to get tougher um you know um wind weather was every day there was something going on whether it be wind in your face too hot in the middle of summer snow yeah I saw some really difficult conditions even Uh, like the I think it was when you were in China and like you can see the ice yeah on your chin and everything just looks rough I mean yeah. that day in particular. So I had I had that I had a week on my own in China in the middle of winter, and that particular day I literally, the I don't know what was going on, but the slush from the road was yeah. getting on my chain and freezing solid because oh it was so cold. So I had to keep stopping and like hacking it off with my knife, and I got some boiling water from a lady in a restaurant and kind of was trying to keep things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just in sort of survival mode, I guess, would be. Um, but but the thing was is you couldn't stop. I mean, I guess you could stop, but you kind of you're like, okay, I'm I'm going to this town. I can't just sit here on the side of the road. It's going to get dark soon. You just had to deal with it and, and kind of keep moving. Which I think in in any other aspect, like in a on a car journey or anything like this, you don't have those moments where you're like, you know, if I stop, I'm in real trouble. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so it's entirely different. Right? Yeah, I mean, obviously we we carried tents and and camping equipment, so if there was an issue on the side of the road, you could be okay. But <laughs> but even in some of those places, I think I remember and maybe it was China again where you talked about you could go a long time without being able to like refill your gas. Exactly. Stuff, for example, so yeah. it's not like you could even have some hot food or a hot drink or something like that. Exactly. Or water. Yeah. At certain yeah. aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you... places in like in some places in Tajikistan. And, yeah. In some places in in China, you know, the there weren't convenience stores or anything. So no. you were ca- you know you were carrying all your water that you had to. It's a lot of extra had to drink a lot of extra weight. You were just carrying instant noodles. And back to your point about diet, I mean, we lived on kind of instant noodles, Snickers, yeah. biscuits, literally whatever we could find. And in a lot of those places, or especially in Tajikistan, the the food quality in restaurants or people's homes was questionable. Yeah. Um, and basically in terms of food safety, um, which which made things hard. So you're kind of pretending to be a vegetarian because you'd seen the meat hanging yeah, in the local yeah, shop yeah, and you're like, yeah, oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I actually had some stomach issues in, in Tajikistan, um, which wasn't much fun. But, yeah, it was just part of the part of the journey, I guess. Yeah. Were there any moments, like, especially in places like Tajikistan, where you thought, I don't know, maybe we should just skip this? Because I remember it came through in the film as well, and I remember this being like a really big media story in Tajikistan, mm. where a few people were killed by the side, yep. side of the tourists yeah. were killed actually by the side of the road. Yeah. Was there a part of you that's like, hey, I mean, yeah. this is meant to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that we. No, Do absolutely. we need to do this? Like, it's not a race. It's not a. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you have points where you thought, do you know what, should we look at a flight? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, we even did that. There were points where safety obviously became paramount. Um, for example, coming into Istanbul, we'd heard that trying to cycle into into the centre of Istanbul was suicidal. So oh, instead yeah. of trying to do that, we caught a, we biked to a town further along the coast and took a ferry in. Um, the same in Tehran and Iran. 
to cycle into the middle of Tehran was was crazy. So we took a we took a train in from okay, the outskirts. Nice, yeah. So on those occasions, we were we weren't super stubborn about okay, we need to cycle the whole way. This yeah. you know, um, obviously had mums and and dads and and family and friends keeping an eye on us who were concerned for our safety at, yeah. at different points. So we didn't want to be doing anything reckless. How did you did you enable them to like track you in some some capacity? Or, yeah. or were you more just keeping in touch with them like via uh, I don't know yeah like how did you just ensure there was that connection with the rest of the world if that makes sense because some yeah. places there wouldn't have been like internet or no, wi-fi or whatever no. for a long periods of time yeah so in every country we went to we tried to get a local sim card yeah. um, which was great so when there was service we could keep in touch with just normal you know whatsapp etc yeah. um, my mum for christmas in 2017 gave me a, a garmin satellite oh, tracking yeah, amazing. thing yeah. um which you can subscribe to a system where you can send an SOS alert basically yeah. in any country in the world and someone will eventually come and get you. And you can also send messages with it through satellite. So when there's no mobile no mobile service, you can say, hey, I'm That's okay. Yeah. Um, it also um, does a live tracking of where you're at. So we had it on all oh, the time. Wow. So literally we had family and friends like logging on and being like, ah, oh. you know, you could like kind zoom in and yeah, see the dots the moving. But more just like, oh yeah, I wonder where they are now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which was super cool. And then we as, and then could obviously keep the track. So we knew, I mean, I have it saved on my computer. You can literally see oh, day awesome. by day where, where we went, which was, which was pretty cool. But yeah, that was, that was really good. We had about 10 days in Tajikistan with no mobile service. So each, at the end of each day, we just ping a little um, message on the satellite to SUV's parents and my parents saying, all good wow. or anywhere else where there was a couple of days with no mobile service we'd just make sure that we were keeping yeah. keeping people informed i mean they could see that we were moving but it was just to yeah keep keep everyone at home um especially in those especially those countries. that area yeah yeah and at that time exactly yeah, yeah. and i mean as, as you say that the incident in tajikistan before we arrived was pretty scary um because it must have been really recent it was time, it was right? probably like two was... weeks before we wow. were in uzbekistan at the time so yeah. um it was the next country that we were going into. Um, yeah, we debated it for a while um, in considering skipping Tajikistan all on the whole. Um, but we decided that, you know, if you make big changes to your plans because of terrorist acts, and in, in a sense the terrorists have won, right? Yeah. Because they're, they're influencing your behavior. We changed our route to not go into yeah, that area. Right. Yeah. Um, because of that but we and chose a, a different route um but i'm really gra glad that we went through Tajikistan because it ended up being my my favorite country oh, on the oh, trip yeah was yeah. that was that partly i mean you talked about it a lot especially towards the end of the film about the surprise not necessarily the surprise but just the how amazingly kind people were yeah wherever you visited and yeah. um and I want to ask you a bit more about that, actually, because I know that you had like a letter yeah. that um, describes who you were and what you were doing in different languages and things, exactly. which, which probably helped a lot, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe just talking a bit more about how you almost interacted with locals. And mm -hmm. it seems like in Tajikistan and other places, you also sometimes people are offering you places to stay. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's really like, heartwarming and um, totally. it gives you so much confidence in humanity. <laughs> it, oh, it, does. Um, it restored my faith in humanity, absolutely. And in those places where things were really tough, where there's no guest house or hotel or obvious place to, to camp, it was we relied on those people to, to help us. And, yeah. and they were the most hospitable, you know, without wow. asking. They'd be running out of the fields to, you know, come and, come and stay, come and yeah. have a cup of tea. Um, I mean, our, our mantra 
or sorry, our, our way of operating in those countries was basically to, to stop at a restaurant or a shop and buy something and ask the shop owner if they knew somewhere we could stay. Ah, I see, I mean, it's a um, tactic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, and they, they were like, yeah, usually yeah, be connected yeah, in with somebody. Totally, or they're like, yeah. come and stay at my house. Or, And Sarah was great at this. She's very much a people person and, and very open about it, doing that. And I think also us being two women on our own had a lot more success with that as a tactic as opposed to a lot of the other cycle tourists who are either groups of guys oh, or couples yeah. because to invite two females yeah, into sure. your home is a little less risky, so to speak. Yeah. And so I think as, as a result, and, and SVB hated camping. So <laughs> as a result, she was super motivated to find us somewhere to stay. Um, yeah. And we had such incredible experiences. You know, you, so you're inside richer, someone's home in the middle have. of nowhere. It, yeah. was, it was pretty cool. So, and yeah, it was those countries kind of from Turkey through to, I don't know, middle of China where it was, it blew me away how amazingly hospitable and kind those people were. Um, and just how different it was from our kind of Western culture. You know, in Europe, we didn't really have that. Yeah. Certainly didn't have it in New Zealand. Um, in Southeast Asia, where there's a lot more tourists, it wasn't as evident either. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, that that real culture of open, open doors and not that people don't have fences upside their house and you know it's just yeah. it's a lot more welcoming than than i think what our day-to-day -day life and i mean i even think now if if i saw someone cycling down my street in, in lausanne would i be opening the door and I being like hey know. come on in come yeah. and have dinner probably not right exactly but, but that was the kind of thing that we enjoyed for for so many months and and for me was probably the biggest enjoyment or biggest takeaway from from the whole trip oh that's amazing mm. can you almost like talk through like not a typical because I'm sure they're all very, very different, but you uh, you arrive at someone's um, home, might be a yurt, <laughs> yeah. could, be, uh, could be anything, maybe you can talk about some of the types of places that you stayed, but yeah, um, yeah like how did you communicate with each other, mm. what were sometimes the the stories that you, you exchanged and shared, and yeah. what was that kind of just dynamic like, I yeah. guess? Yeah, well you mentioned the letter before we had this letter written in the language it was an idea we'd taken from some other cycle tourists yeah. they had a letter written in the in the language of every country we passed through um which was fantastic because you could pull it out if anyone was like what are you guys doing um it helped with like police um uh, yeah because i saw know, at one point actually yeah. like a police escort and yeah exactly to go faster <laughs> exactly. um yeah so it was fantastic. The only problem was is in some of those more remote regions, literacy rates weren't super high. So uh, yeah, of course. reading the letter was, was already a challenge. Was already a challenge. Um, and then, of course, English is you know, non-existent in, yeah. in a lot of those places as well. Um, sign language is fantastic. You know, <laughs> sleep, eat. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing how you can communicate with, with sound la sign language and just... We carried also some photos with us of our family and friends. And, you oh, know, you nice. like pull up a photo of your family, be like, Mama, sure. Papa, you know, and people around the common commonalities of, of family and, yeah. you know, pull out a map, New Zealand, and show yeah, them, you exactly. know, and this is where we're going. You can have a kind of random conversation. Um, obviously, you're not discussing politics. No, or... <laughs> no, but sometimes it's easier. Like, yeah, exactly. You go to bed in like a... yeah. Yeah, you haven't said anything that you, we wish you never. Right, <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. So yeah. it was just a really warm, warm feeling and, and a lot of those cultures are centred around food. So, you know, yeah. they lay out every little thing that they can find to, really to folks, feed I you. Guess. You're all eating around like this big table often or just an area yeah, and you're all together. Exactly, most of it you're sitting on the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I mean, one instance in, in Tajikistan, we were riding past, and literally in the middle of nowhere, we just finished our covering the highest pass on the trip, so like 4,600 metres. Oh my gosh, it's just difficult to breathe on a motorcycle. So we'd had a pretty tough day, it was pretty cold, and there was, I mean, we were thinking we were going to have to camp because there was literally nothing, and we came across, came around the corner and came across this yurt, and the woman in the yurt came running out and was like, come in, come in, come in. We're like, oh, great, you know, somewhere not in the tent. Yeah. Um, got to the yurt and she had two other cyclists already there, two guys. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's just wanting to have a party, I yeah. think. Um, but Why I mean, not? the yurt was, I don't know, 15 square meters maybe at the most. It mm. was tiny. It was her and her, and her husband. <laughs> whole lot of yaks tied up outside. Um, and, you know, they cooked us some random meal of noodles and <laughs> I don't know what. Um, and we all tried to kind of have a conversation. Then we literally just all lay down in a big row on yeah. the floor on these mattresses and, and and slept the night and it was amazing. The next morning she got up and went outside and milked a yak, brought inside this like steaming <laughs> pail of yak's milk, put in some kind of like oily butter and gave us some bread and oh, oh I mean it's, sounds tasty. it smelt horrendous <laughs> and you just kind of, those were the tough moments was you know trying to look like you were grateful and yeah, enjoying that was the uh, thing that you yeah, were I like wanting here, to but I exactly. really need to show that this is the nicest meal ever yeah. yeah and also being worried about getting sick and all that kind of stuff so sometimes you just had to get over yourself a little bit and take a bit of a risk but it, some of those times were, were pretty tough but yeah just the the it's amazing the joy that people get out of helping you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's something, another thing I've kind of taken away that, you know, you often think, oh, I'm being a burden and oh, I don't want to disturb and all this kind of thing. But actually, these people love being yeah. hospitable. It's kind of you're giving them a gift by coming to stay almost. Yeah. So that was yeah. something something we learned along the way as well. Oh, it's so enriching. Mm. Yeah, it's so yeah. unique. I mean, um, yeah, that's really lovely. Yeah. Did you come across many other cyclists, actually? Because, I mean, especially in some of the countries that you were going through, yeah. it's not common bike touring routes, like, three months through China. No. It's not like... Yeah. And I saw that you were, like, sleeping in drains yeah. next to the motorway and yeah. stuff. Looked pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, did you come across many other um, bike I mean, obviously which... in Europe, yes. Southeast Asia, yes. Because yeah. they more traditional bike areas. We saw a few people in Tajikistan because the Pamir Highway is kind uh, of the... Yeah. A bike touring route, but I'm talking like we saw like three or yeah. four groups of people in the whole time, so not heaps. Um, but that was always nice, right? Like you kind of oh yeah, you feel alone, right? Yeah, you like, oh, so swap unique. stories, yeah. especially if you're going in opposite directions. You can be like, hey, That's it's nice. good to stay here and stay here. And we had an amazing community of people on basically that we followed on Instagram yeah. who who were doing similar things at different times, and you could see like, hey, watch out for this and. That's good. You know, yeah. we'd seen in, in Tajikistan this horrendous tunnel, like five kilometers long, dark, that this woman had ridden through, I don't know, six months earlier. I, think I read something like this. What else on your Instagram? Tunnel you, of Doom called, or something. Yeah, the do, yeah, yeah, exactly. And because like we had no idea. We were just like, well, there's a road. We couldn't, you couldn't see the tunnel, right? So we knew that this was coming on this day. Um, and that you could you could hitchhike with coal trucks that were going through. Oh, really? So wow. all we did was just stood on the side of the road and for a little bit, and eventually a coal truck came along and he chucked our bikes on the, on the back and gave oh, us a awesome. ride through this tunnel. But it was super dangerous and dark, and obviously once you're in there with a whole lot of coal trucks, you're just breathing crap. So stuff like that was awesome. The community yeah, the spirit, and helps a obviously lot. with technology like the Instagram and being on WhatsApp groups and stuff was a real a really great support yeah because mm. what was the 
how important were they, especially on a daily basis, to keep you motivated? Especially, I guess, as you transition through the different phases, because you start off with three, as you said, mm-hmm. and then there must have been a strange uh, transition to just being two of you. Mm-hmm. Especially now you've got your wind blocker missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then obviously at one point you there's just you. Mm-hmm. How did you feel going through those transitions? Was it difficult in the first few days? Or, or, or did you almost just treat it as like, hey, this is just a new and different phase? Yeah. And yeah, what did you go yeah, through? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, when Emma left, Sarah and I, it was, we were both conscious that it was it was tough, not just because there were now just two of us, yeah. but because physically, mentally, everything was going to, we knew everything was going to get harder yeah. from here on in. Like, this was the tough kind of part of the trip in terms of road conditions accommodation food like literally every visas all that kind of stuff um um but I mean it, Sarah's a great mate so it was kind of and we'd already had six weeks together so we kind of knew we we had our routine basically and so her and I literally riding out of Istanbul was just we did five rotated five kilometers each yeah out oh, the front nice. yeah yeah did 30k stop for a, a snack did another 30k stop for lunch and we had that kind of structure yeah it's amazing how you can just get into such a yeah sometimes like routine is like can, it, can be scary it, but in these situations oh, it's so it comforting it, totally it's like it's such um, a, you look forward to the routine yeah almost. exactly yeah. and some days we'd chat other days we didn't feel like it we knew sarah was head of accommodation so she would be in charge of finding somewhere to yeah. stay i'd make sure we weren't getting lost so we had our kind of little roles so yeah. to speak and then yeah, it Th- through was... those through those phases where you where it was tough, probably lots of uphill, um, and you weren't talking as much because it definitely happens. It's mm-hmm. super normal and, and natural. Did you plug into anything else? Did you like listen to music or like podcasts or anything? Or are you just always super present in the kind of in the moment and um, and taking it all in? Yeah, it's interesting. We we all took sort of different ways of doing that. So Sarah and Emma were very much listening to podcasts, music. Yeah. Um, and that continued with Sarah too when it was just the two of us. I, I felt really unsafe having, for some reason, having stuff in my ears. Yeah, I just I didn't want to have the distraction. Um, so I didn't, I, I tried a couple of times to listen to stuff and in the end I just kind of put it away and yeah. and was lost in my own thoughts, which that's sometimes... Kind of, that's kind of scary depend, and awesome at the well, same time. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> depending on the scenery, I mean, sometimes in like the deserts of China and plains of Turkey and stuff, and there's not a lot to look at, it was kind yeah. of like, it was hard going in your head. But yeah, I never got onto, I didn't get into that. Whereas, um, yeah, Sarah, Sarah was listening to, to podcasts and stuff. Did you kind of sometimes in those phases, like set yourself up for the day of like, hey, I'm going to think about something in particular and like work through something. One of my friends, Pip, he's a, uh, an ultra runner. And sometimes when he's training, because he just has to do like endless hours and he sometimes almost like picks a topic <laughs> and uh, and he knows he's just going to ha- think about it for three or four hours, yeah. which is weird. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, I kind of get it because he has to do that many miles every week. Totally. He needs to. And he doesn't necessarily like listening to music no. so much either because part of the um same as bike touring part of the thrill is really experiencing the nature and what's yeah, the around sound you and, and, stuff, this, yeah. and, and all your senses are really exactly. popping but at the same time it's probably nice to think about something yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah. um not consciously no sometimes we'd talk to people like call people yeah um depending on the mobile plan we had with the local sim card if you could if you could just call people and yarn while you're on the bike that was yeah. quite fun um, yeah that's quite nice yeah um, but no, I didn't, I don't, it's funny, I, you kind of just, thoughts just wander and... It's almost like meditative, you're just kind yeah, of a like bit. living it, yeah. in, in it. 
yeah, yeah. kind of look at your your clock and how far we've got to go and you can kind of get quite caught up in okay what's coming next when are we having a rest day you know okay we need a visa here and we've got to do this and you kind of the logistics of your day can be all consuming when there's not a lot going on yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and yeah, then other, other times if the road if the road was safe we could ride side by side and chat which was which was nice too, but otherwise, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah. But yeah, the transition. Well, in particular, the transition. The probably the hardest one for me was um, in China when Sarah left to go back, come back to Switzerland, and a new a friend of mine from New Zealand joined. Yeah, that was really tough because um, Sarah and Sarah and I had six months by then riding yeah. together. You're routines completely are down super routines. well. I mean, you're you didn't have to treat your body's ready now. It's totally, adapted. you didn't have to say anything, and they'd know what you were thinking, kind of thing. To all of a sudden, and, and Catherine, she's a great mate, but. It, it was really tough for me to have to kind of adapt to a new person who wanted to do different things and wanted to do things differently. And mm. I mean, I had to be accommodating because she was riding across China, like she was doing her own journey and stuff as well. So um, it was funny, we got almost got back into that doing really long days and going a bit fast. And I was just kind of like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was it was tough. I mean, eventually it got it got better, but it yeah, was it was also one of the up, yeah. most mentally tough parts of the trip was through that Chinese desert where we were. That's where we were sleeping in the drains, and <sighs> that looked really rough. So that whole combo. I mean, for me, that was the toughest part of the trip was the new person, the environment, the oh my gosh, you know, six months. I'm only halfway. Yeah. Um, it was it was pretty tough, but yeah, we just sort of had this point on the map. In, in China where winter was coming was the other thing. Exactly. This point on the map in China where all of a sudden we could stop riding east and, and start riding south. Right. I mean, we'd literally been riding east since we left Switzerland, technically. Yeah. So this was a big kind of moment. That was a huge moment for you. Moment, yeah. it's really... every, every, then every pedal stroke was getting warmer, essentially. Wow, like you were just that's quite nice. riding away from winter. Yeah. And mentally that made a, made a massive difference. It's amazing how like moments or, or points like that can really transition mm. just, just everything about the trip. Like, yeah. Once we get here, like we're on the, the final stretch. Yeah. But, and, <laughs> but, and it's so it, stupid, but it, yeah. it was literally felt like it was downhill. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. it's down on a map, but if, and of course it's not, but it was like, oh yes, it's downhill, you know, Southeast Asia's coming, it's going to be easy, warm. Yeah, that yeah. was, um, that was a real turning point. Were there any kind of sketchy moments with animals on your trip? Because I know like, when I was in the east of Europe, I struggled a little bit with like wild dogs, for example. Mm. But and I saw in yours, you came across all sorts <laughs> camels and yeah. goats and lizards <laughs> and uh, yeah, monkeys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Were, were there any of those moments throughout where you were a bit caught out with some of the potential like wildlife, or or just, or even just thinking there is something here mm. which keeps you on edge? I, yeah, it's a weird, I, I really don't like that feeling. No, of, like, neither. The, the wild animals and. You just hear something and your heart raises and it's a difficult one to yeah to just calm down like, yeah and be like I'm gonna be fine totally it's just yeah did you have any of those yeah I mean it was the same experience as you had in Eastern Europe with it was the dogs yeah. um like in Turkey the dogs were huge oh god um it was crazy probably Turkey and Thailand were the two kind of dog countries that were were really tricky but and and again got a tip from another cyclist that if you because We'd, a dog would come up, you know, kind of, and we'd like cycle away. And of course, the dog was like, would then start chasing you. Yeah. But the, this guy said to us, hey, if you just stop, the dog will eventually lose interest because the game is chasing you, right? Yeah. Because if you get off your bike and just stand there, 
It's so hard to mentally do that though. It was so hard. You're like this huge dog just barking at you and just like literally just standing there. Um, so dogs, I mean, that was definitely not fun. Um, I mean, it's part of the reason I avoided Australia was snakes and spiders and, oh, and all that yeah, kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. which I'm yeah. not a fan, especially spiders. And Tajikistan, I, uh, no, sorry, uh, Turkmenistan, where we spent some nights camping in the desert, we knew there were tarantulas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I hate spiders, like, like actually have a phobia. So, yeah, those nights. And just the, sleepless nights. Oh, so you, just, just, you, you didn't want to get up. Yeah. Like, you didn't want to get out of your tent to go and pee, and you were worried that if your tent was open, something would crawl in, and like you, we couldn't have everything in the tents. So there were bags outside, and it was just like this whole that <laughs> something was crawling around somewhere, oh, and kind of yeah. But um, and then again, in, in sort of Thailand, Malaysia, there were snakes in mm. the in the wilderness but in those countries luckily there were lots of little guest houses and backpackers and places to stay yeah, so we spent a lot less time camping that, yeah um thankfully but yeah apart from dogs had no major major <laughs> run-ins with wildlife apart from seeing cool things like camels and elephants and monkeys and That's nice. yeah. yeah did you have any sketchy moments with the accommodation in terms of like i mean you was seemed like you were pretty open to sleeping anywhere but <laughs> was anybody kind of coming along and said hey you can't camp here um no, we had one, well, we had one incident, I guess, in, in, in China was we we cycled into a town and um, found a hotel and asked, you know, can we come and stay? And the, the hotel said, oh, you need to go and check with the police at the police station. So we went down to the police station, much discussion in Chinese. Half an hour later, the cops were like, mm, you can't stay in this town, come with us. They load us, load us on the back of a truck and wow. drove us out into the desert, sort of out of their jur jurisdiction and just lot, dropped, <laughs> dropped us on the oh side God, of the highway. Really? Yeah, and just were like, see you later. You, but we'd, we'd heard about this from other cyclists going through the region. In this particular region? In this in particular region. But at least they'd driven us in the right direction. Yeah. Instead we'd of heard of people being and... taken like 200 kilometers back the way they came, kind of just these horrendous story so we oh we got lucky with that one but um no honestly i don't think we were ever asked to pack up and move with a tent or i don't know if we were just lucky or yeah but we we didn't have any any major issues yeah. which was really nice i'm sure was, i mean if you're sleeping next to drains in china yeah. you probably have some sympathy i hope <laughs> it's pretty yeah. rough yeah yeah and kind of as you moved on to new zealand that must have been a pretty amazing moment i mean yeah. i saw that um like visiting the schools seemed like really really special like yeah the, so much positive energy even just like watching like the film you can just feel like it makes you happy yeah yeah totally seeing those moments. yeah they yeah must, was that just yeah how did that how did that feel and, and often when you went to do the talks were you talking about your olympic life or your, yeah. your bike riding how did what was what were people asking you most and things like when it came yeah. to that point in time so that was maybe just to go back to the very start of the trip, you know, wanted to do a huge adventure, but we thought this was a great opportunity to to make something more of it than just us having a, a fun time on yeah. our bike. So we we chose this project to, to try and see as many school children along the way as we could, um, and also to connect with Olympic athletes along the way oh, and awesome. try and just have a little chat and understand their environment and a little bit from their culture from a commonality of being yeah. being Olympians so through the contacts we have here at the IOC we got each national Olympic committee along the way we had a contact with them and they would set up a school visit and oh, connect perfect. us with some local Olympians 
Um, it also gave us a kind of contact point in each country. If something went wrong, we had, you know, someone we could call yeah. and be like, hey, we're in trouble. Um, so, I mean, that's some something amazing that you wouldn't normally has, have as a cycle tourist. No. So we kind of had And it's this. like an amazing, it gives there's such a sense of security of that type of person as well. Like exactly. it's a contact who's working at an NLC. Yeah. I think it just is a bit of... Yeah, it was, it was like, peace of mind yeah, for us and, and, and mum and dad. Um, but yeah, so so the the school visits were, were an incredible part of the journey just to share with kids. It was more a little bit about who we were as, as in our former life as, as yeah. athletes, but most of it was just telling stories about the journey. And, oh, that's nice. um, and actually that's what kept me going, especially in China in those really rough moments was, was I knew that I had least this 40 or 50 school visits lined up in New Zealand and I wanted to be able to you know turn up there and and tell them that I kept going when it was tough and you know whereas if you go oh yeah it got a bit tough one so I just jumped on the train and (laughs) took a few weeks off which I mean would have been absolutely fine absolutely fine yeah yeah yeah. 100% I know what you mean it's good to to tell yourself that in those moments exactly yeah yeah and then to be able to be in New Zealand in front of a group of school kids and be proud that we got through those moments and could, you know, share a story of, of resilience and perseverance. And I think the thing that was most important for me was that you could stand in front of these kids and they were, we, they had exactly the same up, upbringing, yeah, like, you know, nice. country kids into sport, being active, you know, there's no reason why you guys can't do something crazy one day or it doesn't have to be that, you know, even just yeah, riding you a bike route, but it, but don't down put, to the next village yeah. or, yeah, so... Um, no, it was cool, and as you said, the energy, like, little oh, kids, yeah, oh my amazing. god, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, they I think were... especially because you're on the bike with, like, 30 or 40 kilos, mm. I don't know, like, when you rock out, they're like, whoa. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah, and they'd yeah. all, like, get their bikes out, and you're, like, yeah. biking around the school park, and, no, it was, it was awesome, and that, and that, that really defined the, the journey through New Zealand, because, you know, it was, it was actually a schedule of school visits. Yeah, um, so, I was going to say, because you, I mean, for that volume of schools, it really needs to be a, a real program. Yeah, Did so, you just have people on the ground to help you, like your parents or family? Or well, I spent connection? most of the, because I had um, from Laos to Malaysia, so three, two and a half months on my own. Yeah. So mo- most of that time was spent arranging the New well, that's Zealand journey. It's like a real journey. project. Yeah, it was. To, like, I think it's sometimes important, especially after you've been going six exactly. months plus. Yeah. It's, it's good to have that level. So, and spent that time putting together like a little 10 minute video clip to show at the school. So, I was kind of sending some material back to a, a friend in New Zealand who pulled that together for me. But yeah, it meant that in New Zealand it was, it was way more structured yeah. and more of a not business trip is the wrong way to put it, but you know, no, it was, I've mean. got to be at the school at this exactly. time, right? So there was some days when you're like, I've really got to gun it yeah. because I'm going to be late, which we hadn't had, yeah, you know, the, the whole, it, the, the apart from the odd school visit, you know, one in each country. So the kind of dynamic in New Zealand riding a little bit was was more that, very much on a, on a time scale. Also had a lot of people riding with me. So, you know, random family and friends would yeah. join for a day here or there, which which changed the dynamic as well. So, but it was super nice. I mean, to, to see your own country by bike when you're used to driving was, was awesome. I went to places in New Zealand I'd never been before. Um, yeah, but it was, it was much more of a kind of community engagement feeling than me out on my own just riding around New Zealand, yeah. which, was, which was super nice. It's really cool because even though it's still the same mode of transport and everything, it's a completely different experience mm. that you get to have on one single trip technically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was and good. as you came to the end, what were your like feelings? Like, were you kind of 
looking forward to it being over or was there almost a part of you that's like well I'm in my routines now I could just keep going like, yeah how were the yeah, how do you feel in the in the run-up to the end and also in the like kind of days and weeks after yeah the trip finished um I was I was ready to be done to be honest I'd been on the road for just what was 10 days short of a year when yeah, I finished wow. so I was ready to just literally not have to think about where's the next accommodation where's the yeah. next meal you know um I think I was also maybe quite exhausted from the 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 schedule throughout New Zealand also like that level of engagement with uh children in particular like the energy that it needs is insane yeah exactly I mean so, like, in, a, in a very micro <laughs> level even yeah. even just like me hanging out with my nieces for the day is totally, way more tiring right? than any sports thing than I do during a day exactly yeah so yeah I I was I was definitely ready to be to be finished it wasn't like I was like oh I wish I could turn around and go back the other way or um or anything like that um I mean I just literally was enjoying sitting around on the sofa for a couple of weeks not not having to think about where am I getting a meal, where am, where's my next hot shower coming from. Oh, so, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. And just having nice. some really rich quality time with those around you. I totally. Guess. Yeah. Just, yeah. 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 And being able to celebrate the journey, um, started the process of making, or kickstarted the process of making the film, which yeah, which nice. took a good couple of years <laughs> to finish off. But now I'm really proud of it. Um, tried to try to write a kids book because I had a lot of feedback oh, on the awesome. journey that yeah. that from from teachers that this would be an amazing journey as a in terms of a kind of picture book for kids amazing, so yeah. tried to start that and then obviously it was it was trying to get back into what's the next thing in my life so it was I'd already started conversations with with the IOC throughout yeah. the in the last few months the bike trip of, of coming back to work here in Switzerland so I was trying to get myself back into into work mode and yeah yeah wow how, how did you find the process of putting the film together Oh, I loved it. I had a yeah. When I mean, mine was only six seven weeks, but like I actually just left it two or three years. Yeah, it was just a short yeah. trip. Technically, I guess yeah. First time I did it, but in the same way, it just brought me back to me. I was like, oh, this is really nice. I'm like, I'm really capturing these moments and think about them in different ways. And yeah, stuff. I almost did it for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. No, absolutely. I, I had a. It was so much fun, kind of trawling through the footage and yeah. reliving all the memories. And I had a great lady who I work with in Wanaka and, and next to my hometown in New Zealand who. Uh, as a filmmaker was right into the adventure as well yeah, and, awesome. and yeah. stuff so worked really closely with her it was quite tricky do it, trying to do it remotely like I was obviously back here in Switzerland and then in Beijing for work um, for much of that time but yeah it was it was super it, it took it, it took a long time and it was a lot of work but I'm really glad we did it because the feedback we've got on it it's been great and it's such an amazing thing to have just oh, as a sort of great. souvenir because we took so much footage and to have, to have that just sit in Dropbox would have been <laughs> yeah it's tragic almost pretty sad <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so yeah that yeah, no, was a cool project oh amazing mm. and the kids book did you uh, did you yeah I, I sent it to a few or? publishers and got no got got no luck it's something I need to get back yeah get back onto it's kind of on my to-do list <laughs> well, amazing yeah i yeah. know yeah. you're a few years on what's so the, any change in your perceptions reflections over that trip uh, would you uh, do anything I mean, like that type I mean, of thing again in the future no i wouldn't do it again um <laughs> not because i didn't love it but because it's a huge uh a massive disruption huge to your life time, yeah. you know yeah. um i was fortunate that i was in a in a place you know, financially, personally, where I could just take off on my bike. Um, it's not something that most people can do. Um, but I, yeah, I think I've kind of done that. 
um, I'd love to go and do a couple more little, you know, a couple of weeks here and there. Yeah, People have sure. said Georgia's amazing on a bike. Um, just pack up the bike and go and do some little adventures here and there, but to pack up my whole life uh, again, and no, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. No, amazing. <laughs> but it's funny, it, it really, um, in terms of that, what I was speaking, what we were speaking about at the start, you know, that kind of competitive, oh, I need to beat this time and do this challenge and that kind of stuff, I, I, that's gone. It's yeah, completely, yeah, yeah, it's weird, it's just, it, I think it kind of knocked it out of me somehow. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. transitioned away and now I'm quite happy just sort of just really just cruising. enjoying it and taking yeah, it in for exactly. whatever it might be yeah yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of nice as well yeah, I think so yeah. I mean you spent a lot of time as I said it was probably I, I, in many ways meditative without sometimes realising exactly yeah. Uh, that, like, yeah probably lots of reflections through those times that you you wouldn't notice in the t at the no, moment but then later exactly. it's affected you in your yeah. personality yeah wow yeah uh, amazing. I've got one final question, if that's all right. Sure. Uh, and it's more, I guess, I guess for someone who's at a certain point in their life and they want to maybe change things up, um, do something new, or whether it's a sporting challenge or something mm -hmm. else, what would be like, the one piece of advice you would give them if they were thinking about changing things up? doesn't have to be mm. do a bike no, ride across no. the world. I th I think, <laughs> honestly, um, for, for me, I think it's about um, exposing yourself to people with different ideas and different mm. kind of ways of thinking because it's very easy to surround yourself with a group of friends and colleagues who all have kind of similar views and yeah. world views of what's what's normal what's extraordinary and I think if you can spend time I mean that's easier said than done but with people who maybe have a slightly different perspective or it can just open your eyes to what's possible um you know if, if you're if you hang out with a group of people who I go to the pub on Friday and I watch Netflix on Saturday and that's kind of about it. That yeah. becomes your kind of norm. And then all of a sudden going for a two day hike is like a crazy, Yeah. I don't know. I just, if, if you're looking for change, I think it's just about being exposed to things that are outside of your day to day um, can often help spark, spark ideas, give you inspiration, give you a little bit of, Oh, actually maybe it's not that hard to, to do a two day hike or, whatever it is you might you might want to do but i think it's just important to open yourself up to to different ways of thinking amazing mm. thank you so much absolute pleasure thanks uh, for the chat yeah it was fun. that was amazing uh we'll probably call it a day there but yeah perfect wonderful to like do that so pleasure. i really appreciate it and no, um, i'm sure we're going to cross paths uh, hopefully Absolutely. more frequently than yeah, we have yeah, so far definitely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah thank you so much you're welcome Thank you for listening, everyone. Beyond the Adventure is available on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit beyondtheadventure.com for all the relevant links. If you get a moment, please share with your friends and family. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to come onto the podcast, please reach out to me either via email on gareth at beyondtheadventure.com, through the website of beyondtheadventure.com, or reach out via my personal social media my handles across Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn are all Gareth Brown UK. Thanks again, everyone, and bye for now.